Listener supported. WNYC Studios. It's the Brian Lehrer Show on WNYC. Good morning again, everyone. Now we continue our Oscar season series of interviews with the creators of the five Oscar-nominated feature-length documentaries. We do this every year. Some of you uh, know that. While most other media focus on, you know, best actor, best film, Barbie, we do the documentary check. We started with the Ugandan documentary, Bobby Wine, The People's President, and today we turn to Tunisia and a film that, while it's in the documentary category, shares a lot with narrative fiction films. Words like meta and genre crossing have been used to describe it. The film is called Four Daughters, and its writer and director Filmmaker Kava Ben-Hania joins me now. Welcome back to WNYC, and congratulations on the nomination. Thank you for having me, and good morning. Good morning. And the story at the heart of your film, I'll tell our listeners, got some media coverage in 2016, which is how it came to your attention, I see. And, yeah. and I thought I would play a little of how NPR introduced a report by Leila Fadel on this family at that time. One mother tried to keep her daughters from joining ISIS. She lives in Tunisia. It's a country with a precarious new democracy, the place where the Arab Spring started in 2011. It's a country with many links to Europe. It's also part of the Arab and Muslim worlds and is inevitably drawn toward the conflicts of the Middle East. More than 5,000 Tunisians, women as well as men, have joined militant groups abroad. It can be as easy as crossing the border from Tunisia next door into Libya. NPR's Leila Fadel spoke with a mother who wanted to keep her daughters at home. So that was the intro to the story, and your film tells the story of that mother, Olfa, and her four daughters, the two youngest of whom participated in the film, but the two older girls did join ISIS in Libya, or as the film puts it, were devoured by the wolf. And you wanted to get beyond what made the news back then and tell this in more detail. Is that the point of the film? Yeah, I've heard uh, about this story uh, uh, like this on Tunisian uh, media, and uh, I wanted to understand why. I mean, it was a, a huge uh, question mark for me. So I met the mother and uh, told her that I want to do a documentary. I want to dig deep in the reasons that uh, pushes those two girls uh, to join uh, a terrorist organization to understand because it was, as I said, uh, all the answers I get at, uh, uh, I could get at the time were very cliche answer, very uh, um, one-sided answer. So uh, when I don't understand something, I do a movie. And here we have four daughters many years after uh, telling uh, the story of those four daughters from the point of view of those who stay, so the mother and the two uh, young daughters. And listeners, if anybody's seen this film, Four Daughters, and or you have a question for the director, you can give us a call, 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692, for Katha Ben-Hania, 212-433-9692, call or text. Let me ask you about the filmmaking, because as I understand it, 
you started making a so-called normal documentary interviewing uh, the mother and the younger daughters, but eventually you came up with the idea of bringing in actors. And so we have this uh, sort of meta, as I think you've described it or others have described it, filmmaking in the documentary category. Why did you do it this way? Because I needed, as I said, to understand, I needed to dig deep uh, in the past of this family. So when you want to do a documentary, how you film the past is the main uh, problem and the question for us uh, documentary filmmaker. And there is a well-used cliche, which is reenactment. Um, so I tried to hijack this cliche and use it in another way. So mainly we have in this movie, Four Daughters, the real character, uh, the mother and the two young daughters uh, directing uh, and playing with actors to bring uh, their memories uh, from the past and to try to analyze those memories. So it's an open discussion about what happened really and how this tragedy was born. And the fact that we have actors in the movie, um, we think always about fiction, but as you say, it's a kind of meta-documentary where actors say we are actors and will help this family to understand uh, what, what happened. And by the way, uh, the movie, I've been touring a lot since the premiere at Cannes Film festival and the main competition and till today uh, those who are fond of my movie are actors because beside the story of this mother and her two daughters it's a movie also about how to represent reality and what does it mean to be an actor playing uh, uh, real uh, people life uh, so uh, I know that actors uh, like a lot uh, for daughters so did you get any answers that might be new to our listeners as to why people join ISIS? I, <laughs> I can't have this pretension to answer to this que question for everybody. I think that uh, I can answer maybe uh, for this family, for those two girls, and there are answers in the movie. It's not a simple answer. Uh, nothing is simple in those stories. I mean, life is complex. And the movie um, is uh, um, trying to embrace this complexity, not to simplify things, to be not judgmental, to try to understand. And all this complexity in the movie is shown, at least I tried to share it with the audience in a very coherent uh, way so they can uh, understand, but also uh, they can feel because we are talking about a movie. So it's a movie where you can laugh, uh, you can cry, you can leave all the uh, spectrum of known emotions. At least this is what I felt when I was shooting it and I wanted to share this with the audience. Yes, and the political comes in in that Tunisia was the country that launched the Arab Spring, really, overthrowing a dictatorship to install democracy. But that dictatorship had banned the hijab or head covering for women, even when they wanted to wear it voluntarily, and kept Arab extremism at bay. So how do you reconcile political freedom and the freedom to demand women cover themselves head to foot? 
I mean, <coughs> uh, um, politician and uh, uh, especially in dictatorship, they uh, try to intervene in every uh, personal details uh, and women bodies have been like a political terrain for uh, uh, for politician, but uh, um, as you said, Tunisia was uh, the starting point point of the Arab Spring. But for me, the Arab Spring is continuing even today because there is no revolution that gave its result uh, like uh, the day after. It's a long process when you uh, uh, get rid of dictatorship. But from my point of view of a filmmaker, I'm not a politician, although I'm very interested in politics. Uh, I I, I mean, th this movie and the other movie I've did uh, were possible uh, and financed also by Tunisian uh, money because uh, of the revolution, because we got freedom of speech so I can talk about hard things in Tunisian society and it can also touch everybody elsewhere because, uh, as, I, uh, as you say, the movie is now nominated for an Oscar, so... Uh, it's shown uh, um, in many, many countries, which is great for a, for a filmmaker. One of the themes of the film, I, I think it's accurate to say, is the way that Olfa, the mother, was hurt by her mother and sister and wasn't able to treat her daughters any differently. And her fear of their sexuality led her to embrace their turn to fundamentalism at first. Would you say that's an accurate description? And did making the movie help her process that? Yes, I think we can see it in the movie. She's, she's trying to go in this introspective journey to understand what happened. And she goes uh, back till how she uh, was educated by her mother. And she's talking at some point in the movie about the curse. She's describing this uh, inheritance of violence and misogyny from generation to generation uh, like, like a curse. But I think she's referring to the patriarchy because she... Um, thought uh, like if she uh, will embrace uh, the toxic patriarchy uh, uh, ideas she will uh, protect her daughters um, and uh, when she did so she was oppressing them and those girls uh, we see them in the movie they become at some point when they were teenager goths listening to uh, uh, metal uh, music uh, becoming rebellious and the day after they uh, became uh, radicalized. So they were search searching something outside of the, their mother uh, oppression. And they, as, as you said in the beginning, and as I say um, in the movie, they were devoured by the wolf, like a uh, little riding uh, red hood in the woods. Uh, they, they met the wolf and um, then we have this uh, tragedy happening. They met the wolf, the wolf being Isis. Um, listener who saw the film writes, the mother in this film seems conflicted between social and religious norms and their context and her own feminist impulses. The daughters who stayed, did not join Isis, also seem so traumatized, heart-wrenching. And here's a caller who saw the film, Jean in Chatham, New Jersey, around WNYC. Hi, Jean. Hi, um, I saw this film last year as part of a film festival. It's really a tremendous movie. And for me, I, um, I was struck by two things. First of all, the two daughters that became radicalized, 
they actually saw the burqa as like a form of freedom. It gave them freedom, which is something that had never occurred to me. The other thing is that all the men in the movie were played by the same actor, and the message was sort of implicitly that all men are kind of the same. So it was just a beautiful, wonderful movie, and I'm so glad I got to see it. Jean, thank you. Anything you want to say to that listener's observation? Um, would you say that men were portrayed in the way that she describes? Thank you, Jane. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I I try to because I have such a beautiful gallery of women portrayed in the movie between the real character, the mother, the two daughters, and the actresses. Uh, I. I wanted to simplify things from the men's side. It's not to say that all the men are the same, <laughs> but in, at least in Olfa's life and in this family life, those men, you can change them. They are like, uh, they have the same impact in, in, their, uh, in the, those women, women's life. And then I'm very happy about what Jane said about uh, the counterintuitive uh, thing about being uh, radicalized because what I discovered uh, in this movie that the two girls' uh, radicalization is uh, to be, uh, in a way, uh, powerful because they are uh, teenagers. They were 15 uh, and 16. They were accused like by their father and their surrounding to become uh, 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 easy women, uh, we can say. Mm. Um, so to defend themselves, they found this offer of radic radicalization and it gave them powers. So we see in the movie at some point, they, they are lecturing their mother, you know, they become for the first time uh, powerful uh, toward the, their mother. She is very uh, oppressive mother. She, uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it can seem counterintuitive, but it's, uh, it was one of uh, the things I discovered while doing this movie. We are in our annual Oscar documentary series here on The Brian Lair Show. Each year, we interview the makers of the five documentaries nominated for Best Feature-Length Documentary at the Oscars. My guest today uh, is the director and filmmaker Kaler Ben Hania, who made the movie Four Daughters that we're talking about, nominated for an Oscar. We just have a few minutes left. I want to ask you a little bit more about the genre bending, as people have called it, making of this film, the fact that though it's a documentary, um, you use some actors as well as the real people in the film. And you have the actors there with the real characters, the actors recreating some of the real characters for the film, and you're using professional actors also to help the real people get past the performances that they created for the media. And that can all be very confusing uh, when I describe it. Mm -hmm. But how will a viewer experience this? Uh, it was amazing because, uh, as you said, it can be uh, very confusing. But when you see the movie, I tried to make it very coherent. It's uh, it's a very tough exercise, but at the end, it gives me the, the possibility, the fact that I have actors, to show all the facet and all the complexity and all the multi-layered aspect of this story in a very simple way to share it with uh, uh, with the audience. So it was, I mean, a great experience, a human experience. 
experience, uh, um, first of all. And then for me as a filmmaker, I experimented a lot. And what people uh, don't know maybe uh, is that the documentary genre is so rich. Uh, and you can go uh, near the frontier and have a lot of uh, fun and creativity there. So this movie, I uh, went uh, near to the frontier between uh, documentary and fiction, but I stayed in the documentary territory and I had a lot of fun and uh, I hope the audience will uh, feel this uh, watching the movie. You know, one of the reasons that this show focuses on the feature-length documentaries is that they don't get the media attention that, let's say, the best picture category does. Yes. But this year, there's a bit of a controversy in that all five nominated documentaries are from outside the U.S., Uganda, Ukraine, Chile, India, and yours from Tunisia. Do you have any theories why Oscar-worthy documentaries weren't made here this past year? I have no idea. <laughs> you you have to do a survey among the <laughs> voters. Yes. But I think it's a sign of openness, curiosity about what is happening uh, outside uh, of the U.S. I mean, uh, there was great American movies in the beginning of the, the race, uh, and I was surprised also, but I want to see it that way, uh, like uh, curiosity and uh, uh, people, yeah, they are there. And people who, who love documentaries in general are very uh, um, sensitive to uh, uh, what is happening all around the world. So maybe it's one of the reasons. Listener texts, I wonder if the director could give us a wider lens on the economic context of this family it was joining ISIS a way out of poverty. Uh, yeah, we see we see it in the movie. There is a scene in the beginning uh, about one of the, the, their memories played by the girls, the real daughters, with the actresses trying to imagine food on empty uh, plated uh, on empty dishes. So, uh, yeah, it's a very poor family, and the mother is a single mother. She's divorced, so she was working in libya coming uh, back and and forth so i think the poverty is one of the reason but not on, not the only reason it's to uh, i think reducing the story to poverty is not giving justice to all the other small elements that that uh, sent those girls uh, into this path Another text message from a listener says, I saw this beautiful movie. It was so moving, especially the end, where actual footage of the characters was shown. Thank you for showing the complexity of family dynamics as well as the political complexity of their situation. And and I'll ask you about how in, in real life, uh, if I understand the movie correctly, uh, Olfa, the mom, wants Tunisia to bring her daughters, who were teenagers when they joined ISIS in Libya, and her young granddaughter back home from where they're being held in Libya. Is that at all likely to happen? Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Yes, uh, she uh, wants this. We are advocating this, especially for the little girl, her granddaughter, because a child growing uh, up in jail, it's not... Uh, uh, a wonderful thing um, and uh, what she wants is that Tunisia can give them a f fair trial uh, in Tunisia so we are trying to uh, 
use the Oscar nomination to uh, pressure the Tunisian government so they can, they are starting the process of uh, bringing them, but it's very complicated in terms of uh, bureaucracy and, um, but uh, yeah, uh, we hope we can uh, have this. Well, I always ask the directors of these documentaries, if you win the Oscar, do you think it will help the cause in the real world? Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, already, I think the nomination and being in Cannes Film Festival, everything started there in the main competition. All those things help the cause and also help the exposure of the movie. And yeah, I, I, I hope so. I <laughs> Was there any controversy over accepting the film for the documentary category because you use actors in part of it? No, because uh, I can tell you, uh, I mean, a uh, dozen of movies, uh, documentary movies that use uh, actors, so it's not, there was no controversy. All right, and I will read one more text message from a listener who reacts to the fact that none of the Oscar-nominated documentaries were made in the United States this year. And the controversy over that, listener writes, isn't the real question why so many of the Oscar nominations typically go to movies from one? Why don't more of the, of the Oscar nominations typically go to movies from one of the 200 plus countries in the world? On the way out, um, I want to play a little snippet from the film and have you set it up. It's the sisters, the two real ones and the two actors singing a pop song. How important was it to portray not just the traumatic events, but the laughter, as in this scene? Uh, I mean, the real characters are very funny. It's the, I think that humor helped them a lot to cope with uh, their uh, very hard life. So the movie is funny because they are funny, and it, it brings light and joy to uh, this uh, story. And I wanted to, uh, um, to put this in the movie, so... <laughs> It's important, yeah. And so we leave it there with our guest, and congratulations again to Kether Benhania on your film Four Daughters being nominated for the Oscar for Best Feature-Length Documentary. Listeners, it's available to rent on various streaming services. Thank you for joining us. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. We'll hear from the directors of the remaining three nominated films next week.